Welcome, everyone, to the Developmenter Podcast, your source for interviews and content on careers in technology. I'm your host, Grant Ingersoll. For those new to the show, we have two simple goals. We want to showcase interesting people in technology across a variety of roles and highlight all the different paths people take in their careers in technology. Today's guest is a longtime IT manager, having worked his way up from the director level to CIO and SVP of technology. Along the way, he's worked across a variety of industries, ranging from banking to e-commerce to publishing, and I believe, even if I read correctly, the coffee business. Please welcome to the show, Ross Gilbertson. Ross, great to have you here. Thanks, Grant. Great to be here. Hey, Ross, so why don't we just start off by having you introduce yourself and your career in your own words. Certainly. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going on probably 30 years now uh, in, in my uh, profession of IT. Didn't think I was going to be uh, an IT professional when I was in college and going down that path, transitioning from uh, high school to uh, post-secondary edu- education. But uh, at that time, uh, the technology industry was starting to take off. The internet was uh, in its infancy and and um, technology was was beginning its its uh, its boom, and so um, started down the path actually in the direction of finance and accounting, and uh, you know opportunity presented itself for me to to pivot, move down uh, the technology path, and uh, I've never looked back. Wow! So so actually, coming out of high school, you were thinking, oh, I'm going to go be in econ, or I'm going to work at a bank, or or something along those lines, and then got into IT. Was was it a mentor? Or was it just a job opportunity? How did you how did you find yourself making that shift? You know, I would say through high school and then into college and through my accounting courses, I was getting more and more exposure to uh, computers and technology. And uh, my first role actually. I was in somewhat of a data processing position that had a technology component to it, but the company at the time was starting to expand their use of computer systems, and they were looking for talent internally that could help uh, support that process and, and that uh, growth of, of utilization of computing within their organization, and uh, they quickly discovered that I had a knack for it, and I had an interest in it, and one thing kind of led to another. And more and more of my uh, job duties uh, started to to drift in the direction of uh, computer systems management. Ah, interesting. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think, uh, you know, when you think of the, like, like my son's age and his generation, people who grew up as digital natives, this notion that computers were just coming into the workplace is, is perhaps a, a, a bit foreign. Yet, like folks like me, I know, like, and I think what I'm hearing from you is there's this hey, you know, I was good at, good at math, good at some of these, you know, things like accounting, et cetera. And so there's kind of this natural uh, way of lending itself into IT because especially back then it tended to gravitate towards people who were more, uh, shall we say, inclined that way towards math and numbers. Is that, is that fair for you? Yeah, I would say so. And, you know, some might say that I took a little bit of a non-traditional approach uh, in, in the infancy of, I guess, when computing hit the mainstream, a lot of the jobs were more around the programming bent and developing software and, and writing software systems, uh, whereas I came at it more from the business systems perspective, you know, from an accounting perspective and a word processing and a graphics design perspective. 
um, more on the business side than on the engineering side or the computer science side. Uh, and I think that's what's helped make me successful throughout my career is that uh, I had a mix of technical interest and, uh, and passion to some degree, but also a strong interest and passion in understanding business in general. And uh, throughout my career as I've made moves from uh, organization to organization, I think that combination has really served me well. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's actually a, a great segue into one of, you know, as I was digging into your background, I mean, you know, you've, you've been pretty successful working across a lot of different industries. I think, uh, you know, I counted finance, I mentioned publishing, uh, uh, I think you did a stint at a coffee company there for a while. You know, what are, what do you see as some of the key lessons you've learned as you've taken the skill of uh, being pretty technical, but then understanding the business what do you see as kind of some of the key things that have helped you really dig in across those roles you know i would say above all it's curiosity um, interest and really listening and understanding and learning and observing uh, what's going on around you and then you know the, the innovation side which then takes that curiosity and those learnings and 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 causes you to search for solutions or better ways forward uh, but along with that, and I guess surrounding all of that would be relationships. It's all about developing relationships and not just in your core area of expertise, but all across an organization. And when you bring those three together, uh, I think you'll find that you can have success in just about any organization you go to. And if you look at my career path, you're right. I, I didn't focus on a specific industry. It wasn't manufacturing. It wasn't retail. It wasn't banking. It was some of each of those. And I, I truly believe that I was able to make those transitions from industry to industry because of that curiosity, that interest in innovating and making things better, and a, a true, genuine desire to build relationships with people that maybe didn't have all the exact same interests that I did. Yeah, no, that that's great. I mean, <laughs> wow, there's a whole lot packed in there. And I, I want to unpack a little bit on the relationship side, because, you know, as I've done a, a number of interviews uh, for this podcast, I mean, this, this theme keeps coming up time and time again. And I think, especially like if I look back at 18 year old Grant getting into tech, the relationship part of it was the least of the things I cared about. I couldn't wait to get working on technology, writing code, like, digging in on, on the tech side. And, and now, you know, what I'm hearing from you is, yeah, that's important. And you've got to be naturally curious there, but you also have to develop this, this relationship to the business that that is really what carries you, you know? So perhaps, you know, unpack that a little bit more. What are some examples where the relationship aspect really, you know, has been some of the key parts of your career? Well, for one thing, I would say it's really opened doors for me. You know, earlier in my career, as I was still learning the business, um, for example, I looked at marketing, and some of my early exposure to marketing was the observation of a Tide logo on the hood of a race car. And I remember thinking to myself, there is no way that that sells more laundry soap. And so I kind of had this jaded uh, view of marketing as, as, a, as a department that seemed to get unlimited funding for whatever they want but there was no justification or quantification for the value they provided. Similarly for sales, I, I found that when I, earlier in my career, I was in a technology consulting uh, organization and I felt that as a pre-sales engineer, I was the one who was ultimately telling the customer 
uh, what the technology would do and the value it would bring. And I, and I didn't have a great appreciation for, for the work that the sales rep was doing. Yeah. But as my, as my career kind of continued to progress, I got to know those individuals better and understand, you know, what it is that they did to try and even get their foot in the door so that we could have that meeting with the customer to show them what our technology was that we were trying to sell them or that marketing department leader and all the work that they were doing to try and understand who their customer was so that they could even put this marketing opportunity in front of them. And, and because of that, I started to gain a better appreciation for all the work that they do while it was different than me. And I maybe didn't understand it enough to fully appreciate it, that it was still important to the overall goals of the organization. Yeah. That notion, it takes the village and boy, I tell you one area in my own career where it's, where it's hit home is uh, when you see the salespeople dealing with the legal and procurement after you've done all the technical stuff and in, in your mind as a sales engineer, like the work's done, right? Like they're sold. And then you're like, Oh yeah, we need to talk about contracts and language. And then you're, you're like, wow, that's, that's a whole nother level of work that you just had no clue even existed. Exactly. So, you know, so, so you've kind of shifted and grown, you shifted through some industries and you've, you've grown in, in title, you've had titles like CIO and, and I think in your current position is SVP of technology. You know, what shift for you, you know, what shifted in terms of going from that individual contributor role into being a, a leader of an IT organization? And how do you think about that role uh, as a leader of an IT organization? You know, I think one of the big things is really coaching and mentoring. Uh, when you transition from being responsible for, solely responsible for the work that you're producing, and maybe you're part of a team, but at the end of the day, you're being judged by what you individually produce to where you're now supervising or leading people, um, the role really changes to that of you're now being measured based on what a group is producing. And so you have to start to tap into other skills around uh, uh, mentoring and motivating and coaching and guiding uh, people to uh, get uh, the most out of them and to leverage their skills uh, to their greatest, uh, greatest possibilities. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I would imagine, you know, as you know, so, so what were some of the, the lessons you had to learn along the way? Because I think, you know, many of us on the, the tech side, you know, we're not always, let's say, the most outgoing. Uh, I can't speak for you, of course, but I know that's I've met plenty in this industry who aren't. And yet you have to shift to this being a, a leader of people. Like what were some of the things you really had to learn that you're just like, you know, I, I don't even know how to do that or, or I, don't, I don't even know where to start. You know, I think one is just being a, an active listener and asking, you know, good open-ended questions to, to really, you know, draw people out of the shell that they might be in or the, or the skeptical position they might have towards something. Um, you know, questions like, what does better look like? To me is an important question because a lot of times people can quickly say, I don't like it. But they don't always come right forward with, and here's what I would do differently. And so sometimes you need to respond to that uh, point of view with what does better look like? And what better looks like might be different from one person to another. And so then you need to try and understand their point of view. Why does that make it look better for them? 
and that yeah. might be different for the next for the next person in the room. So you really have to have good, um, carefully uh, planted questions to try and draw out the information and make sure you have full context for what it is uh, you're trying to accomplish or what is the perspective of the individual that that you're there to serve. Yeah, and I imagine too in in your leadership role, your better goes across a lot of different roles, right? You like you you hit on already marketing, sales, and then obviously your own IT constituency, and and keeping an eye on the the big picture. How do you think about balancing what you know is technically possible with where the business ultimately needs to be? Well, wow, that's a great question. I think it's a challenge that that I, you know, I've faced throughout my career, and that really hasn't changed from organization to organization. Um, technology can sometimes be very complicated and hard to understand, and because of that, there could be expectations for, you know, how easy or how quickly or how inexpensively it might be able to be deployed. And you know, my role, I guess, is really. M- oftentimes as an educator and you know just like just like a teacher there's there's a there's a way to kind of instruct someone uh, or provide someone with information they may not or knowledge they they don't have without making them feel like you're talking down to them uh, or that you know they're ignorant in some way on a specific topic and so you know it's it can be tricky sometimes to um try and help people understand that there's more to a situation than what they might uh, have anticipated. Um, but do it in a way where you're, you're working towards a mutual or a common goal. You still want them to have the outcome they're looking for, but helping them understand that there's a path to get there and that you're going to walk down that path with them together. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Wow. Two, I mean, two really good nuggets in there. This notion of what does better look like? I'm going to steal that for, for my own day to day, because I love, I love that question. And, and then this walking down the path together and, and, and building the case together. I think a lot of us in it, we always just, Oh, well, let's go deploy the latest tech. And that's not always the right answer. And I think you, you hit that nicely. Uh, you know, Ross, whenever I have a, a manager of people on the show, I really like to take a step back and, and not just be about your career, but, but you know, because this, this podcast is targeted at people who are new to this field or, or coming in and want to be hired in a technology role in a, in a company perhaps like yours is, you know, what do you look for as a hiring manager in people to bring on to your team? You know, I like to say that I hire for talent and not for position. Um, When you post a position or a job requisition, you don't know what you're going to get in terms of applicants. And I think you need to be prepared to go into it with an open mind. Um, You're typically not going to find somebody that checks all the boxes that you're looking for. Oftentimes, you'll find somebody that maybe checks some different boxes that could really add value or, or cover some gaps that you have. Uh, within your organization. So I think you need to really go into that with an open mind. Um, I also look for aptitude. Uh, You know, someone may not have all the skills I'm looking for, but if they've demonstrated to me the aptitude to learn and take on uh, new new skills and new new capabilities, uh, that's that's gold for me. Um, But above all, I would say attitude. people's attitudes and their personalities and their styles um, 
you know, those are things that are that are developed over years and years and, and you know, typically a couple decades before they even get into the professional workforce. And those things don't, they don't change overnight. So uh, based on the role, different roles, you know, meld better with different personalities. And you need to understand what is, what is the personality makeup that's going to fit best within a team uh, and make sure that you're looking for that because that's something that uh, if you trade off on, on um, you know, their, their uh, work ethic or their um, relationship skills or, or, or interpersonal skills, those aren't things that can easily be uh, molded or fixed once they're on board. Yeah, I know a lot of great advice in there. Uh, uh, so many nuggets as well. I, lo- I love that uh, phrase you said, hiring for talent, not position. Then, you know, obviously once you've hired somebody, you, you, you bring them on and they're in your org. And, and I imagine that a key part of your role also is helping nurture and giving feedback to people and, and helping them grow in their career, which is, you know, especially as a leader, as often as important as anything else you do. You know, how do you think then about the people once they're in the fold in terms of, of growing uh, and, and giving feedback and all of those kinds of things? Well, I think clear expectations are, are number one. If you haven't set clear expectations, it's really hard for somebody to meet your expectations. I often tell new employees that, that join my team that, you know, if, if you make a mistake on something and we haven't established a shared expectation about it, uh, it's going to be uh, an expectation setting conversation. It's not going to be uh, you know, a performance criticizing type conversation because we haven't established a shared expectation about what I was looking for from a performance perspective. Everybody likes honest, constructive feedback, including myself. And so, you know, I think you need to be prepared to to offer that um, on, on a regular basis, both when things are going great as well as when things maybe aren't meeting expectations. And I think if you approach that, you know, based on behaviors uh, demonstrated rather than, you know, the person themselves, uh, they're generally received better. Uh, if, you can, if you can tell someone that this is the outcome I'm looking for and the approach uh, and the actions that I think can, can get us there, uh, it becomes much less personal and more about just actions that they can perform to, to uh, meet expectations. Yeah, so, so very true. So very true. A lot of great things to unpack there for our listeners. And Ross, in the interest of time, I want, I want to move forward and, and talk a little bit about the role as kind of it's developing these days and, and thinking about the opportunities and challenges of, of being an IT leader. And, and one of the things that's really struck me that's happening, right, and, and I hinted at this earlier with this, this notion of digital natives, is that, you know, business users are more tech savvy than ever, and techies are probably more business savvy than ever. And you've even hinted that's been one of the things that propelled your career forward. How do you then see, you know, the IT field and IT management evolving as, you know, kind of everybody comes in with this base level of expectations of, you know, the modern era of technology? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, one thing that immediately comes to mind is, is really to, to know your customer and make sure that your employees know your customer. And I think that kind of goes back to my earlier comment about having um, 
you know, shared expectations. Well, it's not just shared expectations for what we provide to each other as a, as a supervisor and an employee, but what are we here to provide to the organization? Maybe it's an internal uh, business stakeholder. Or what are we here to provide to the customer in the case of, you know, a retailer, which, which is, is the industry that I'm in today. And if you can, you know, establish kind of what that common ground is uh, and, and work from that, um, you know, I think that that kind of takes away the opportunity for, you know, uh, conflict or, 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 or misunderstanding in terms of what, what the goal is. Uh, yeah. To your point about, you know, the current, the, the current generation of digital natives, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not a digital native. And so I've had to, you know, work very hard, I would say, to maintain my understanding of, of uh, technologies as it's changed over time. Um, quite frankly, I spend a lot of time with my kids, understanding the technologies that they're using, why they're using them, uh, and, and how they might differ from uh, what I what might be my go-to uh, technology to solve a particular problem, and and just you know be a be a lifelong learner. Yeah. Uh, find ways to relate uh, to whatever a demographic or generation it is, whether it's a customer that you're trying to relate to, or whether it's uh, it's a it's a coworker an employee that you're trying to relate to that that is uh, in a different um, you know generational perspective than you are. So I think it's just continuous learning. Um, seeking to understand and 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 constantly exploring uh, those around you. Yeah, I think that notion of learning. I think you hit the nail on the head in technology. Right, is that you know at the end of the day, technology is all about change. So if you if you don't want to be in a learning mode, then technology probably isn't the right field. Uh, it often reminds me of my grandmother who at ninety is like, I want to learn this iPad thing, you know, and and she went in all wholehearted into it. I, I'm. Glad, you know, maybe one last question along this theme of opportunities and challenges. And, I, and I'm glad you brought up this, you know, the idea that you or, or the fact that you work at a retailer. And I think, you know, one of the big challenges facing, you know, let's call them traditional retailers. I don't particularly love that term, but, you know, brick and mortar is what is collectively called digital transformation. And, you know, it's one of the big challenges I think many companies are facing. How do you think about that challenge of, of modernizing a company that's probably been, perhaps been doing business for, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, or 100 years? Yeah, well, in the situation I'm in right now, I think that is one of the key challenges we face. We're a 35-year-old business that, um, you know, has been very successful over that period of time. And, um, because of that, though, we do have some systems that have been around for, in some cases, a couple decades. In the retail space today, uh, the consumer expectations are changing very rapidly with, the, with the, uh, the, the new expectations that are being set around delivery uh, by the likes of Amazon uh, or for uh, omni-channel retailers or those that sell you know, both online as well as through a, a brick-and-mortar store and maybe over the phone making that shopping experience as what they call friction-free or as seamless as possible is, is a lot more challenging than you might uh, expect. Uh, you know, what we're doing to try and uh, address that is look for opportunities where rather than trying to uh, adapt what we have, how do we maybe uh, replace it with something that is more new and modern, uh, still covering off on all those base needs that we, that we had 10, 12 years ago, 
but also bringing along uh, the newer modern capabilities that you know our digital natives have come to expect through you know mobile devices and, and social media and uh, you know even technologies like uh, like drone delivery technology. Uh, it's something we're not using, but it's something that we obviously need to keep our keep our eyes on because it's coming. Yeah, no, I, and, and again, that probably all comes back to you know this fundamental theme you you've had throughout your career, which is you just got to. You just got to always be learning, right? Hey, Ross, you know, I mean, uh, so many good things. and I'm, I'm sure we could continue on this conversation for quite some time because I think there's a lot we could unpack in terms of both the here and now of, of being an IT leader in the retail space as well as your, your career looking back. I want to I finish up, though, with a question I ask all of my guests, which is just, you know, as you reflect back on what got you to where you are now, what are some of the key bits of advice uh, you know, you hinted at the always be learning. What, what are some other key pieces that really have helped pr- uh, propel your career forward? Uh, you know, I think it's just be genuine. And for me, you know, one way that that shows up is, is being humble. Uh, take responsibility when I mess up, um, but also share the credit when things go right. You know, when, when I'm, uh, you know, seeing progress or when we when we have a big win within our teams I, I I like to make it all about the team um you know I don't need for it to be about me and I think I think that really that really matters um, people need to know that um it wasn't an individual it's almost never an individual uh that drives the success it's always a group of people and so I think as long as people feel like you know, while you may be the top level, maybe you're in an executive position, uh, the company could not accomplish what it accomplishes without the contributions of everybody uh, within the organization at some level. So, you know, really just staying humble, um, acknowledging where you've made mistakes, uh, acknowledging where you can do better. Uh, one of the things I often ask new uh, departments when I come into organization is, um, where do you think we can do better, and are we really being open and honest about that, and letting them know that that it's that they can be vulnerable and they can they can feel safe and acknowledging where we're not as good as we need to be, and that's okay as long as we acknowledge it and plot a path to fix it, make it better. Yeah, some very wise words in there, and I think that goes back to what I, that a question that is still in my mind the summary of this this whole interview in many ways, which is what does better look like? Ross, I want to I want to thank you so much for your time for joining us here today on on Developmentor. Absolutely, thanks for having me, Grant.